Hey Trinity family, this is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor. So good to be with you today. Before we get into the word in Matthew 22, I want to share just a couple of announcements. Number one, Dave, thank you for the work you're doing with our youth. It is a joy to see kids in the parking lot, in our backyard, growing in their faith. And number two, speaking of our parking lot and our backyard, we want to encourage you to come out this afternoon to the church parking lot to pick up your communion kit, but also to see one another. Uh, we're gathering every Sunday here between four and six, and you can collect communion for the following week, but really what we want to do is drink a cup of coffee. We want to eat some popsicles and just see each other. It's a safe, socially distanced way to be the church and remember that we're a part of a family. So we would encourage you to come on out today. I look forward to seeing you if you do. Um, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew 22. We're going to read in uh, verse 1 through verse 14. This is kind of a tough text. I'm going to warn you ahead of time. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who've been invited, Look, I've prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them, the king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroying those murderers, and burned their city. And then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready. But those who invited are not worthy. Therefore, go into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all they found, both the good and the bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. And then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and throw him out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to help us. We ask you to help us to be still. We ask you to help us to hear even a difficult or uncomfortable passage from Scripture, Lord. We pray that you would give us eyes to see and a heart to hear what you would have us see and hear from you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So like I said, this is a very uncomfortable passage, at least at first blush, because we want a story where everyone's invited, and it doesn't matter what you wear if you show up, and if you choose not to come, that's okay. The the wedding thrower would just be fine with it all. But that's not what this story tells us. This story actually is a story that reminds us that there are real choices to be made in life and that our choices carry consequences with them. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through this text and try to be as honest and real about it as we possibly can. And I believe that we're going to see some things from the Lord today that are going to help us actually take our lives seriously and, and maybe take the trajectory or the, the mo movement of our life as seriously as we can. So let, let's walk right through it. So here's how the story goes. A king, a, a man in authority, uh, he wants to throw a party. And he invites guests to come to his party. And what we're told in the passage is that he extends multiple invitations to his guests. He's excited. 
And I think that this is an invitation for you and me to recognize that to say no to a wedding of this kind is not like saying no to a wedding today. Many of us have sent our regrets or just not responded to a wedding invitation at some point in our lives. Well, this king is throwing a party and he expects people to come. And so right at the very beginning, at the outset, we're faced with the question of authority. See, the king was inviting people to a party, to a wedding that wouldn't have lasted an hour. It would have been a week-long celebration. And there was every expectation in the ancient world that you would reorient your schedule in order to accommodate this request. And I believe that that represents for you and me an invitation, especially those of us who are Christian, to consider whether we believe that God has the authority to actually make claims on us, to put obligations on us. See, if we believe that we're a free agent, that we can just do whatever we want, however we want, then we read a story like this and it sounds really strange and foreign. And I'm concerned that increasingly in our modern age, we do tend to view ourselves as spiritual free agents. And the story that Jesus tells is primarily a story about the authority of God and the invitation for people like you and me to respond to that authority by responding to the invitation. Now, it's important for us to recognize that the invitation is not to something bad, but it's to something good. He's actually inviting them to the good life, to experience a feast, a celebration, something full of life and joy. He desires their good, just like God desires your good and mine. And so he invites us. He invites us more than once. He sends the overtures out again and again. And the second thing we see in this passage is that the invited guests ignored the invitation and some of them actually turned violent. And rather than be distracted by why they ignored, I mean, we're, we're told, right? Some went to their business, some went out to the field, and then some actually turned violent when it came to the request. I think that what we're meant to see in this story is that if God is inviting people He's looking for people who are going to be receptive and curious, and there's a lack of openness and receptivity on the part of the invited guests. They're just not interested. And we're told in the story that they have lots of reasons for that lack of interest. The net effect here is that they're saying, you don't have a right to make a claim on my life. I can do what I want with my time, with my energy. I can go where I want to go, see who I want to see. I can keep to my own schedule. And so they just refuse the invitation. And then we're told something that's actually pretty distracting. And for many of us, this is where we unplug in the story. We're told that the ruler goes and burns the city and destroys people. And we begin to think, um, gosh, like why would would he be so, so vindictive? Is God telling us a story where he's just this insecure ruler that's vindictive and cruel and mean? I just want to say this. To refuse an invitation of this kind for a king would have amounted to not just disrespect, but treasonous feelings. It would have meant that you were actually probably distancing yourself from the authority of the king. And I just want to say that Matthew's gospel, the one that we're reading, came out in sort of like 70 AD, right around the time that the temple had been destroyed in Jerusalem. And Matthew here is drawing a parallel, essentially saying to the people reading this story, look at the destruction in this city and a foreign invading army, all the things. He's, an, he's making an analogy to say, your failure to take Jesus seriously has resulted in pain in your life. So rather than becoming over fixated about a king destroying a city. I think we need to see that Matthew is basically giving a descriptive look to say the pain that comes into your life 
oftentimes comes because we fail to take God's invitation seriously. I, again, there are real consequences to our actions. So one of the questions that I think we would do well to ask ourselves is am I open and receptive or am I hardened, cynical, and distracted when it comes to the invitations of God? That's the story he's telling. The third movement we see here is that the king says, well, I'm going to throw a party anyway. All these people who are distracted or violent toward my intentions did not respond to my overtures. Well, I'm going to invite both the good and the bad, we're told. So he goes out and he sends his servants and says, tell everyone who would come in that there's a party still happening. The, the food is prepared. And so all these people come in. Not just the high and mighty, not just those with a religious background, not just those who knew all the rules, but he invites everyone in. And the part here that I think we're meant to see is that God is always looking to invite people into his sphere, but he's looking for people like you and me to be open and responsive and curious and receptive. And so I think that what we see right here is a contrast. Are we distracted and cynical? Are we open and tender and responsive? My wife and I in the last month and a half or so have launched a podcast that we call Renewing the Center. And the reason for this podcast is that we want to actually tend to cultivating responsive receptivity in people like you and me. It takes time and intention to actually be receptive to the overtures or the invitations of God. See, it's my conviction that God's inviting all of us at all times. He's drawing us and wants to include us in the good thing, the good life that he has for us. But if we're cynical or distracted, we miss so much of the invitation. And so here, a bunch of people flood the house of the king. They're actually receptive. But then we see another kind of distracting moment in the text. The king, he comes out to his party and he's looking around, kind of surveying the landscape. And, and mind you, it's been a tough day. People have rejected his overtures. And now he's got a house full of people. And he sees this one guy who's not dressed appropriately. And the text says he looks at him and says, friend, how did you get in here dressed like this? Now, this is very uncomfortable. And frankly, some uh, Christians have actually used a passage like this to say, this is why you should dress in fancy clothes to come to church. Y'all, that's not what this is about. Almost all scholars agree that what the king is referring to here is that the man's clothes are not clean. He's not speaking about uh, expensive clothing. He's speaking to him about prepared clothing. He's looking at this guy and he's saying, your garments should be clean if you are in a space like this. To respond to my invitation, the king is saying, you come with clean clothes on. You prepare yourself. And what the early church saw in a story like this that fell from the lips of Jesus is the importance of repentance in the life of a person who would respond to the invitation of God. See, he invites us just as we are, but it's not okay for us to remain as we are. See, the whole story, and I would argue the whole gospel, is about life change. God invites me and then he asked me to change. I want to read to you a quote from the Bishop N.T. Wright. He's one of my favorite Christian thinkers in, in the world, and he nails it here. He says, actually, nobody believes that God wants everyone to stay exactly as they are. God loves serial killers and child molesters. God loves arrogant and ruthless business people. God loves manipulative people who damage their children's emotions for life. 
But the point of God's love is that he wants them to change. He hates what they're doing and the effect that it has on everyone else and on themselves too. Ultimately, Wright says, if he is a good God, he cannot allow that sort of behavior and that sort of person, if they don't change, to remain forever in the party he's throwing for his son. See, this is tough, but it's really ultimately fundamentally good news because it means that you can change. See, that word repent in the Greek language, metanoia, it means to think about your thinking. Y'all, this is why we have to carve out reflective space. This is why we have to actually respond to the invitation of God and say, Lord, I don't want to just be with you. I want to be with you and be more like you. See, God's plan for you and for me is life change. But that requires your participation and mine. See, the wedding clothes that I'm meant to wear, that you're meant to wear, may not be fancy, but they ought to be clean. So as we look at our lives, I think there's an invitation for us to say, Lord, where are you looking to wash me? Where are you looking to clean me? And how might I participate with you in that? That's why, church, we have to have reflective spaces carved out in our lives so that we can spot the places where things are not as they ought to be. He wants you to be clean. He wants you to be a person known for repentance. So are you able? Do you have a track record, an ability, an openness to rethink your life and to admit it when things are off track and allow the Lord to do his work. I think that's actually the whole thrust of this story. So we're going to have a couple of questions here at the end that I think are going to help us, whether we're alone asking questions around um, what this text means for us or whether we're in a watch group where we could then turn and hit pause. And I've just got two of them for you today. Where might God be inviting you? to respond or submit to him at this time? Where might he be asking you to come under his authority? Not be a free agent. And secondly, is there an area in your life where he might be inviting you to hope for change? Repentance, transformation. And now we're gonna finish our time by praying the Lord's Prayer together. And so let's pray these words Jesus has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you this afternoon. Amen.